Today, this is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundant Success Series, our primetime mastermind that promotes empowered focus, decisive action, and inspired outcome. Our spotlight on entrepreneurship and marketing with my guest, Adam Urbanski, originally from Poland. Adam built his first million-dollar business in just 10 years, starting with only $194 and a very limited ability to speak the English language when he first came to the U.S. in 1989. Today, Adam Urbanski is founder and president of Marketing Mentors, Inc. He has coached over 50,000 business owners and service professionals on effective and affordable business development strategies. To reach Adam, his website is themarketingmentors.com. Yes, themarketingmentors.com. What an awesome interview. Thank you so much for joining us on Building Abundant Success. And I was reading a bit about your bio and your background of coming to America from Poland. Why did you come to the U.S. of A.? Great question. Sabrina Marie, thanks for having me on your call. I really appreciate uh, appreciate this. And, you know, great question. I'm from Poland originally, as you mentioned. And, wow, why did I come here? You know, I, I often joke that I was young and stupid. Oh. And, uh, you know, the young part is uh, fading away, but the stupid part is stubbornly sticking around. <laughs> uh, but, you know, really, I mean, I, I left Poland... Um, Really, just only a very, very short before um, the the East, um, the Iron Wall went down, and before the Eastern European bloc really kind of became part of the North, you know, the, the, what what now is that the the entire Europe and the um, European Union. So things were a little bit different, and I simply, you know, just like so many of us, um, searched for better opportunities. I, I just wanted to have a chance to have a better life for myself than what I thought I could have where I was at the time. Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, I kind of packed up my bags, got my plane ticket, and uh, there I was. <laughs> wow. What really fascinates me about your background, you came here speaking very limited English and just being able to communicate wherever you happen to be. I mean, I've lived in many places overseas. That can either be a barrier or can spur you on the, to really learn and do things. So how did, how did that uh uh, propel you uh, once you got here and had very limited use of the English language. You know, another interesting question. I think that you know the need is the mother of invention. So um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of was kind of a sink or swim situation for me. I had no choice but quickly learn how to communicate. And a couple of interesting things. First of all, when I landed in New York, I really didn't speak English pretty much at all. I could say, "Excuse me, sir," and "How do you do?" and "How do you have the time?" <laughs> And if someone responded, I really had no clue what they were saying to me. Wow. However, there were a couple of things that I did have going on for me. This is kind of funny because coming from Poland, we were forced to learn Russian uh, for like 12 years of our school life. So uh, while I wasn't fluent in Russian, I I could get by in Russian. And there was a pretty big Polish community in New York, so there were, there were areas of Pol- of New York where you could actually speak in Polish. So, you know, those two things helped me a little bit. And actually, funny enough, my first job in New York, I worked for uh, Hungarian Jews who spoke Russian, so I spoke Russian with them. Wow. And, wow, uh, and then really, it, so, so really the, for my first year in the U.S., I, my Russian got better than my English. 
<laughs> and as I left New York, then it really kind of became, well, welcome to the rest of America where, you know, people speak English. And uh, I think this was really one of the best things that I've done because it really forced me to just basically immerse myself in the English language. And, you know, funny enough that today, 20 years later, because of the work that I do, I've never done this in my native language in Polish. So sometimes when people ask what it is that you do and I'm supposed to describe it in Polish, it's it's nearly impossible. I simply lack words to translate my work now into Polish, which, you know, some people think it's sad. I just think it's a natural thing to do. You know, I, I made the United States my home and, uh, and never regretted it for a minute. Well, that's wonderful. And you said that you um, were basically, it's a learning situation. You coming here having to learn uh, first the Russian, then you had to learn English, and then trying to explain what you do. Have you always been entrepreneurial? No, I think so. And, and, I mean, if you asked me that question 10 or 15 years ago, I probably would hesitate. But looking at it today, I think that you know some people become entrepreneurial as they as they uh, progress through life, and some people are kind of naturally entrepreneurial. And I think about the way I was growing up. First of all, my parents were entrepreneurs; mm-hmm. they owned their own business, and uh, uh, you know it, it, it was good and bad. Good because they were one of the very few privately owned businesses that were actually allowed to exist in Poland. I mean, it was, it was a communist country. And, you know, owning your own business was not something that was even permitted. But it worked for government, you know, government, um, everything was owned by government, but it worked for government. So uh, they were one of the few people that owned their own businesses. So that was obviously the good thing because I watched them have totally different style. I mean, they, they worked together, they worked together, they kind of had made their own destiny, made their own lives. And I think that was really ingrained when we've ingrained in me from the very early childhood. But I also watch them work extremely hard. Uh, you know, when you own your own business, a small business, it really never stops. It's not like you just can go to bed at night and, you know, be, or, or you nine, nine to five, you clock in, you clock out, and your business and, and your worries stop. You really carry your business with you all the time. And I think that, the blessing in that for me was that I really have learned some, you know, extreme work ethics. And today when people ask me kind of my secret sauce to success, uh, you know, I really think for me is that I can grind it out harder and longer than anyone else because of my, you know, upbringing and background. I'm not any smarter than, than, than any, any person next to me. I don't have any, uh, you know, special skills that are that extraordinary that someone else, you know, is lacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I simply am willing to work longer and harder and do what needs to be done to get where I want to get. And, uh, you know, I, and I, I think the good thing behind it is that everybody can do it. In that entrepreneurial upbringing, I know, um, and I have grown up with many entrepreneurs, it's a different mindset. You are so right. Uh, and if you are a small business owner, it, it doesn't stop when the, the shop closes. <laughs> You're up uh, many, many hours just trying to prepare for the next day. I was wondering how... It did it differ uh, when you came from Poland to America and you looked at the American business systems? Are there, are there similarities and what are the differences? Well, I don't even know if I could give you a fair comparison because, uh, you know, you have to realize that I think things have equalized now, but often when I do presentations to live audiences, uh, I would include a couple of 
photos of me growing up in Poland. And, and when I came to the United States in 1989, mm-hmm. uh, Comparing to where United States were at the time, kind of technology and and quality of living, you would have to, you know, Poland was like twenty to thirty years behind. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, where you enjoy TV and, and you know in every in every room, you know, people barely had TVs at all, and if they did, there was black and white. If someone had color TV, they were just like you know the persona in the local community. Uh, I mean, things as, as common sense as Polaroid cameras, you know, to us, any camera was like a big deal. And if you had a camera and if you happened to score a roll of film for the camera, it wasn't like you just snapped the, 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 the photos and went to develop them. You were cherishing the roll of film for like a year or so and being very careful which pictures you took because it's just, you know, once you used it up, chances were you would not get another roll of film for another year or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just extreme. So I don't even know if I could compare the American business system to to what it existed, to what it was like in Poland, because it really wasn't existent at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I think the commonalities are, um, especially looking from the kind of startup entrepreneurial mode, mm-hmm. and that the differences, uh, the commonalities were that it was always about creative ideas. It was always about solving a problem that already existed that people were looking for solution to, right. you know. And it's always about just being willing to take a little bit of the risk and letting go of the current status quo of whatever security, perceived security you, you think you have, and kind of taking that leap of faith. And you know, for me, uh, I, I teach my students that it's all about the uh, you know you have to always be committed. A lot of people. Uh, when they start a business, they, they approach companies, and especially, and I don't mean to put anybody down, but when a lot of people get get involved in, in their entrepreneurial, in, entrepreneurial endeavors to start with through um, direct, direct marketing organizations like multi-level marketing. And the way they start, they say, well, I'll give it a try for 90 days. Mm-hmm. You see, trying is not commitment. That's right. So it's a lie. Yeah, they give them, they leave themselves a little back door open, and their entire time while they're saying they're 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 working on this business to really focus on this back door and exit strategy. What if it doesn't work? And then what if it doesn't work? Makes you know basically is this little trigger that ensures that it doesn't work. So. You know, that's the commonality that people who have creative ideas, they're willing to take a little risk, and they commit to it 100%. They burn their ships, and they go, this is, I'm going to make it work no matter what. Uh, you know, that's what, that's, that's the commonalities. And nowadays, um, Sabrina Marie, this is so amazing because in the old, you know, even when I first started, my, I used to kind of cut, make my first money in restaurant business. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was anywhere from a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars to just build out a restaurant. Mm-hmm. By the time you put, you know, the turn the vanilla shell location into some some sort of thing that resembled a restaurant, by the time you filled it with equipment, by the time you brought in, you know, a dozen first first employees. Like hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars in the hole, and you didn't know whether or not you'll make any money the next day when you open. True. And today you can start an online business with absolutely zero investment. I mean, none. You can go to a public library where you have access to computer and internet, and mm-hmm. you can start. You know, get yourself a free email account, and you can start. Slowly but surely, generating revenue online, and that is absolutely fascinating. I think we live in the most amazing and entrepreneurial friendly time, friendly time that we've ever seen. 
In the last 20 years, you've been able to see that because uh, when you uh, came here, there was really no Internet. People were just trying to figure out what an ISP was. And I'm glad that I was able to speak with you a little bit about just coming into the the country at that particular time because a lot of stuff in the last 20 years has taken off where commerce over the Internet and starting a business or an idea or or just uh, building a list. Uh, have this this is something that wasn't talked about ten years ago <laughs> really wasn't it was get it was kicking into gear maybe seven years ago for most so I'm glad you were mentioning this um when you uh started that uh chain of restaurants and whatnot first of all getting into a business, what is it you saw for yourself? you wanted to come to America, you came here for a better life. Was it you wanted to be in a restaurant tour? Is that what your niche was going to be, or did you have a vision? <laughs> not at all, not at all. There's a, a funny story. You know, I was a high school grad. I really, and this is, you know, you, 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 why don't I tell you this? You have really two ways to look at it, and, and I hope that as an entrepreneur, you look at it as a lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you what that lesson is in a moment. But, you know, my parents had a thing. Their business was they had a bakery. And, you know, so while I, I was too young when I left to really be an employee of, the, of my parents' company, but, you know, growing up, oftentimes when there were busy seasons, holidays and whatever, or, you know, employee wouldn't show up for work, you know, I would be up whatever time of the day or night it was, and I was put into the working environment, and I had to keep up with the rest of the employees because, hey, the work had to get done. Um, so I knew my way around the baker, and while I couldn't, you know, go and produce a, a loaf of bread from scratch, you know, to the very end, I kind of knew my way around the bakery. So uh, my first job, really, in New York, I passed myself as a baker. I said, I'm a baker. And believe me, one day in a baker, and I learned what I needed to learn because I knew that if I didn't, the next day I wouldn't have a job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was it was very quick, and then when I came to California, there was a company that was seeking to open bagel shops and they were looking for a consultant who would help them open the restaurant. And I, I had no clue what bagels were. I had no <laughs> idea. But I, you know, I'm just like bagels, something to do with baking. I can figure it out. So, you know, I went and applied for it. And here's one entrepreneurial lesson I'll tell you right now. I prepared for the interview like there's no tomorrow. Wow. And, I mean, I thought about what possible questions they can ask me. I mean, here I am in my very broken English. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I just knew that if I wanted it, it it's mine for, for, the, for the taking. If I just do the right job preparing and if I don't walk in there and look like an idiot. And, you know, they told me that later that out of almost 50 people that responded to the ad, and I think they had like 20-some interviews, mm-hmm. you know, they chose me because I, you know, I knew what the heck I was talking about, but I wasn't arrogant enough that I wasn't willing to learn more. Wow. And, you know, that was one of the biggest compliments that, you know, that someone could have ever paid me because I really think that I won that job because I came prepared. It wasn't just like I would show up. You know, people say you get lucky. Well, I, I created my luck because I prepared for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it really kind of got me into this small coffee shops, bagel shops environment. And the funny thing is before the restaurant was scheduled to open, I went and got myself hired at a, another bagel company that had a chain of locations. And I worked there for two weeks and I, I got myself hired only to figure out what the heck is going on and how to run this business. Mm-hmm. So the lesson here is, you know, it's almost like, you know, like one way to look at it is fake it till you make it. 
but I think a second lesson in there is, you know, I really don't like that fake it till you make it because in my heart of hearts, I knew that I could deliver on the goods. Maybe I couldn't deliver in the first hour, in the first day, but the second day, I knew what the heck I was going. Because, you know, I knew my learning abilities and I knew that I can do it extremely fast. But the real big lesson here, Sabrina Marie, is this. As entrepreneurs, you don't, we don't wait for permission. Right. A lot of people that leave corporate careers or jobs in academic background that they have, you know, very high education, they've been conditioned throughout the entire life that they have to have a title, a document that makes them okay to do something. You know, if you're not an MBA, you can't do If you're not a PhD, you can't do something. If you don't have a certification or a license of some sorts, you can't do something. You know, if you're not a supervisor, you can't be a leader. If you're not a manager or a, you know, director level, you can't be a leader to people. We've been kind of conditioned to this through, you know, through life. Mm-hmm. You see, I didn't, I was fortunate. I did not have that conditioning. As entrepreneurs, we claim a territory we claim an area of the world, of a business world, and we say this belongs to us, and then we work as hard as we need to work to prove it that we were right to begin with. Wow. That's and the difference. Right. That's, that's, yeah, and that's how I got into this business. So it was totally accidental. You, you're so right. And I can say that you know, people who have traditional training and all these credentials, many times because they think they have these things, it closes their minds to other potentials and other ways to use their talent. They don't see themselves as being able to step out. And you're so right about that. Uh, I deal with that on a frequent basis uh, with, with clients, etc., who've worked in the system for so long that they just don't see any other way. And um, now that we are in these economic times, I believe entrepreneurship, you're going to see a rise in that, if not already. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I um, wanted to get into one of the programs that I saw. Uh, it, it says here that you're an author of several marketing programs that track clients like crazy from contacts to contracts and info profit success and secrets to master networkers. In a tr- your client attraction system, um, I like how, it, number one, it's spelled out about trying to not only attract your customers, but retain them. And that's something you can speak about because not only were you uh, on a, a restaurateur entrepreneur, but you moved into the Internet. When did that become viable for you? When did you see that as a way to be uh, in business? You know, and again, I, I wish that I could tell you, you know, Sabrina Marie, I'm such a smart cookie. I had it all <laughs> figured out. But you know, it really is. I think one of the one of the lessons. You know, I was actually speaking somewhere last night, and it was sort of an unusual presentation because I did it for for a client, a friend of mine, and it was really on principles of success. And I called it ABC of success, and I and I taught five different acronyms that were based on this ABC. And one of them was, you know, always be curious. So. You know, I'm always curious what makes people tick. I'm always curious what's coming up. I'm always curious about, you know, what else is there to learn, why things work certain ways. So when I sold my restaurants, I, you know, I, I realized that what I have a passion for is sharing with other people, you know, what, what I did that worked. And I realized that there is an army of small businesses out there, of professionals, who really don't know how to build the businesses, and by that time, you know, I've built and sold five restaurants. So, uh, you know, I certainly knew, 
how to you know how to go about growing your business. So, in in and I started out as a consultant and coach in 2000 after selling my restaurant business, mm-hmm. and I quickly realized that while that was a good business, it had a very little leverage because I was trading time for dollars, and I was mm-hmm. looking for things that can give me a little bit more freedom, a, a little bit more leverage, and can be more business-like, which means I can have a system that delivers consistent solutions, predictable solutions to a group of people without my involvement of time, energy, and effort over time. So, you know, delivering coaching or consulting services wasn't exactly going to get me there, so I needed other solutions. And, you know, the Internet was just... It, it, it really in, two, in early 2000. This was just when the, when when it was a big push, just like a big you know dot com blow up. All the companies were tanking. But meanwhile, I was noticing some entrepreneur enterprising individuals really doing well online. And I'll tell you something else here that you know there, we all are equipped with natural skepticism. And part of entrepreneurial talent is to learn how to overcome this natural skepticism. And I tell you what I mean by that. You see, in the early 2000s, when I was trying to learn how to do things on the internet, I came across a couple of names that were that were already predominant. And you know, one of those names was Corey Rudel. Um, you know, another name was Yannick Silver, and then another name was Armand Morin. And, you know, I remember reading a testimonial from Armand Morin saying, well, we're doing pretty well on the Internet. We're bringing in about $50,000 a month, but, you know, we're looking to grow. And I'm thinking to myself, think about the names, Corey Rulo, um, Bionic Silver, Armand Morin. I mean, they all sound like scam. Mm-hmm. So natural skeptics, I'm like, this is all a scam. There is no way somebody's making $50,000 online, you know, on this Internet thing. You were doing what? What are they doing? This this must be a total ripoff. They just want my money. But I thought, you know, what? If, I mean, I've got to investigate. There's something in there. And I'm really glad I did because it allowed me to transition from just trading my time solo, one-on-one, coaching, consulting, to start leveraging Internet to deliver group programs and eventually to start thing to... Uh, uh, to start selling things on the internet and and deliver ebooks and audio programs and now video and in group programs and coaching programs. So again, it just kind of progressed. But another thing is part of this curiosity is always observing uh, what people want, how people want it delivered, what works, what doesn't work, what people are buying, what people are investing, what are the current needs that they are looking to solve. And I think, and, and then the, another part of, it, of this equation is looking at where do my skill set and talents fit in? How can I position my know-how, the, the things that I know exactly how to do and I do them better than anybody else, how can I position them to be an ideal solution to fix the problems that people are looking to fix? And then how can I use that media to, to create a bridge between what I have to offer and what this audience is looking for? And, you know, I was just always being able to kind of strategically look at things and connect the parts together. And in fact, you know, when you talk about my client attraction system, I attract clients like crazy system. Mm-hmm. The first step in there is I teach you've got to start thinking strategically. And, you know, in that strategic thinking, there, there are five components. You've got to start looking at who your customers are, what do you know about them, where are they, what do they want, what are the problems, you know, can you describe your ideal client? Most people have real difficulty with it. And then once you know what, who your market is, what does the market need specifically? You know, what are they looking for? What are they buying already? Are they buying any types of similar products or services like what you're thinking of selling? 
And the third thing you've got to know is, you know, how to reach them, the media. Where, you know, how will you get in touch with your audience? And I'll just give you a couple of ideas here. I mean, you know, I work with uh, primarily coaches and consultants and speakers and trainers and book authors, but I have other markets. And like one of those markets is power washers. And, you know, they're like contractors. They're not very big, very busy reading emails. Coaches and consultants, they're constantly glued. They're in constant communication with the, with the world via email and Internet. Well, power washers may check their emails once a week. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different way to communicate with them because they rely more on the printed media. Mm-hmm. So knowing your market tells you how to communicate with them. The fourth component of your marketing strategy of thinking strategically is how will you monetize what you do? You see, I can do what I do for free, but there's no money in it. Right. So I can start, you know, a social organization that teaches entrepreneurs how to build businesses. That's a great uh, nonprofit um, uh, endeavor, but that doesn't make money. Um, I can sell one-on-one my time. That makes money, but it's limited. So you know, I can start group programs that gives me leverage. So I can record information products and start selling them. It gives me even more leverage. So you have to start thinking, how will you monetize? What's the, what will make money? And there are so many different models. For example, if you know how to drive traffic on the Internet, you, know, you can monetize your business through advertising. You don't have to sell anything. Just bring in a lot of people to specific websites and charge companies to place their ads on your websites. Mm-hmm. But you have to be clear just, you know, what is your business model that, that will, then how you will monetize it. And finally, you know, you have to look strategically. What is your marketing action plan? What do you have to accomplish? What are your end results? And then what's step one? What's step two? What's step three? And get yourself organized because if you're not organized, if you're not, if you don't have clarity where you're going and what your steps are, it's so easy to get distracted. There's so much information out there, and everybody out there is claiming, well, you know, my my thing is better than than the next thing, and you know, maybe maybe not. But the point is, is that is that thing really? helping you right now is this what you need right now to accomplish your next step and most people don't know what the next step is so they get distracted and they go off on a tangent and they chase another bright shiny object as some of my friends say and um, you know it ends up wasting their time wasting their money and they're not and they end up not getting the type of business that they want to build 